0: I am truly blessed to be with you this morning, and um, as Lance said, I, had, I have great memories uh, serving God here in this place, uh, learning from Lance about worship, I really appreciated and continue to see his uh, detailed attention that he pays to put together the worship service. It's good today to see again Betty Thompson. She was at my ordination. I served as associate pastor at First Presbyterian Church for 15 years. I just uh, ended my serving at the end of June this year. As right now, I am focusing on mission work in Romania, where I'm from, and also uh, ministers and churches in uh Eastern Europe, and also uh, Pam Schneider. Um, we were serving the people of Romania together on the mission trip. So as you see, there are a lot of great things uh, here this morning. And uh, uh, right before the service, I went downstairs and I saw Xander and the youth group. And I then and I went upstairs and visited with uh, worshipers for the Hispanic congregation. Uh, The last year serving at Westminster, I was the preaching pastor for the Hispanic ministry there, so I I feel like I am home, so I'm really, really glad to be here. Now, uh, preaching from this text right now, after you heard the story already, is like trying to explain, trying to uh, retell this, uh, a a film, an action film, like a cliffhanger uh, with tense moments, movie, when you already know the outcome. But uh, we'll give our best and uh, we'll just pay attention to what the Lord wants to teach us from this amazing text. This morning we will pick from the lineup of heroes of faith, one person who will teach us about being tested by God, his response his trust in the provisions of God and the reward that came because of that unshakable faith that he has. The list of heroes of faith is in Hebrews, and we read about Abraham there, that's by faith. Abraham, when put to the test, offered up Isaac. He who had received the promises was ready to offer up his only son, of whom he had been told, it is through Isaac that descendants shall be named for you. He considered the fact that God is able, God is able even to raise someone from the dead, and figuratively, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. God is testing us, just like he tested Abraham. God is testing us to provide and to prove our faith and the obedience, and sometimes those testings are coming through adversity and hardships. Uh, We will pick the story of Abraham from in chapter 12, where God is calling him out of his land. Abraham was born to Terah and they lived in Ur of of the Chaldeans. And uh, from there, they traveled to Haran, and they settled there, but from there, God is calling Abraham. Listen to this great call, the surprising call of of God to Abraham. Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house, to the land that I will show you, I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now Abraham was 75 years old. He was very well established. He had friendships. He was very well known in the community. And God suddenly calls him out and says, leave everything behind. And go to the place that I will show you, I will tell you about at the later time. If you were Abraham, I wonder how would you approach your wife, your spouse? God told me to leave. Okay, honey, but where are we going? I don't know. But he told us that we need to leave, and we need to trust in him because he made this great promise, and he said, whatever I will take you, I will make you a great nation. So he sets out to leave that place, and there's about 1,500 miles of a journey of faith. Now, think about 1,500 miles. If you walk a little bit more than three miles About four miles a day, it'll take you a whole year. So a whole year, they're walking together with the family and everything that they had. And and constantly, they have to keep in mind of the fact that they're going to a place. and, And God is leading them, and God is the one who called them to that place. Yet, they have no idea where they're going. But in the process, God is with them. Scripture says that they go to the area around Bethel, and then they're going to Negev, and then because there's famine in the land. Wait a minute, God. You you called us from a place where we had everything, and now we got to a place where there's no food. So, the the solution for that is let's go to Egypt. Well, the problem going to Egypt was that uh, Sarah was a beautiful woman. And old Abraham comes with this great idea to his wife and say, why don't we tell the Egyptians that you're my sister? So that, you know, everything will be fine with me, I'll be safe, and we'll be okay. So they go there, the Egyptians likes, they like Sarah, they tell Pharaoh, and Pharaoh say, okay, bring her to me and, and, and think about Abraham, his wife. Is now given to somebody else. God, is this for real? You, I know what I left there. Is it you really at work? Is it? Is this really your plan? Uh, God inflicts some terrible illness on Pharaoh, and the the the, the plot is discovered. and... Sarah is returned back to Abraham. They're doing well. They're coming back to their land. They're, they're doing well. But there's, there's fights between Abraham and, and Lot and their servants. And, and another great idea comes. Let's split. Lot, you pick up whatever you want, to that, whatever land you want, and I'll, I'll, I'll take the rest. God, is, is this really... Your plan is this, why we left uh, the safety of our home. Um, Living as a foreigner in a strange land, and just living by faith, and and hoping and trusting in God that he is with you, it's, it's an amazing thing. My family left Romania when I was 23 years old. Uh, there were eight of us, eight children. I'm the oldest. My youngest brother is, was uh, uh, one and a half years old. And We came uh, with the luggage. That's all we had. We left everything behind. I was 23 years old. And and I refer to my arrival here in America as as being born again, but not not spiritual born again, but literally physically being born again because I did not speak the the language. I did not have friends. I depended absolutely on people around me. Whatever they dropped me, they had to pick me up from that same spot. Otherwise, I would have been lost. So I truly understand the hardship, the challenge that Abraham had being a wanderer in foreign lands. But God continuously comes to him and reveals his plan that he is going to make Abraham a great nation. That he's going to work through him. Verse 14 in chapter 13, God says... Raise your eyes now and look from the place where you are northward and southward and eastward and westward. All this, all this I will give to you. I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth so that if one can count the dust of the earth, your offsprings also can be counted. Wow. So you you're still in control. You're still at work. You're still there for us. But Abraham, he looks at the reality of the fact that now he's an old man and his wife also is advancing age. (coughs) So he talks to God and he's saying, How can that be? Because I don't have, I don't have an heir. I continue childless. And the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. God said, Come, look towards heaven and count the stars. And if you are able to count them, then he said to him, You shall your so shall your descendants be. And Abraham, scripture says, Abraham believed the Lord and the Lord reckoned it to him as righteousness.
1: In spite of all the
0: hardships, the trials, the wanderings, the unknown, the dangers, he believed the promises of God. And there, he's instructed to bring a sacrifice, and God shows up. Scripture says that God shows up when the sun had gone down and it was dark as smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between the pieces. And there the Lord made again a covenant. And he said, to your descendants, I give this land from the river of Egypt to the great river of the Euphrates, the land of Kenites and Kenizzites and Kedmonites and all the ice. Still, still there's no heir. Still, there's, there's no, no kid in his home. So his wife has this amazing idea to give to Abraham her servant, Hagar. And she has a child. Now, Abraham is 86 years old. God, if you could not do it, We helped you out with your plan. And now everything is settled. There seems to be a quiet time until Abraham is 99 years old. All this time, it seemed like the dilemma was solved. But then... When he's 99 years old, God comes to him and he says again the same old story. I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless and I will make my covenant between me and you and will make you exceedingly numerous. You shall be the ancestor of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. And this is what I'm going to do for you. I will make you exceedingly fruitful. I will make you nations from you. I will establish my covenant between you and me, and I will give you <coughs> and your offsprings after you the land where you are now as an alien. All this I'm going to do for you. And by the way, I'm going to change the name of his wife. She's not going to be Sarah anymore. Now she is going to be Sarah. And just to add to all this, she is going to have a baby. Abraham was so happy. He started to dance. He just could not believe that final. No, he didn't. He was laughing. Are you kidding? I'm 99. Actually, in Romans, Scripture says that he was as good as dead. That's why he laughed. Later on, when the, the angels came and they were talking about the same thing, Sarah was listening in. And she laughed also. God said, the name of your son is going to be Itzhak. Itzhak, 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 which means laughter. A year later, she has the baby. He's 100 years old. Sarah said, God has brought laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh with me. It's not going to be ridiculous anymore because our son is a reality. And we will laugh together. We will enjoy together the blessing and God's faithfulness. And this will be the perfect place for the story to end. But it didn't, because you heard the text this morning. Our text Starts with these words. After these things, after all these things that I just spoke about, God comes in and he tested Abraham. He had testing before, but this was the ultimate test. This was The ultimate challenge. Abraham saying, Here I am. He's ready. Actually, I love every time I I hear people respond to this. Remember Moses when God calls him from the burning bush Moses, Moses, he's saying, Here I am. Samuel, a young man, was in the temple. And God calls him, Samuel, Samuel, and he walks before God saying, here I am, Isaiah. When he's called, he comes and he said, here I am. I love this. Ready. Bring it on. Tell me. What's the plan? And God says this. Take your son. I have two one uh, Take the the son that you love. I have two. I love them both. But 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 take Isaac. Now the, the plot thickens. And God says, take him, the one who you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him. Offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains that I shall show you. A dagger in his heart. But God, for for 25 years, I waited for him and you promised him to me many, many times. We received him as a blessing, and we circumcised him, which means we gave him to you. He belongs to you. Really, if, 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 if I do this, then the whole plan is gone. What you're planning to do, it's not going to be possible anymore. But what's interesting is <coughs> here we see a prompt obedience An amazing obedience from the part of Abraham. He did not reason with God. He did not fall under the weight of this great demand. He was prompt. He was deliberate. He was fully determined. You see, in chapter 12, God tells him, you need to leave your past behind. Now in chapter 22, God tells him, You need to leave the future behind. Because God did not expect Abraham to understand, but he just wanted for him to obey. And he did. Early in the morning. This is the level of his obedience. Early in the morning. He saddled his donkey. He took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. He himself, he cut the wood, knowing what this wood is going to be used for. He cut it himself. He loads the donkey, and they take this three-day journey. Imagine the hearts of the father who knew what's going to happen. And in obedience, he continued on the journey. The third day, he looked up and he saw the place. They stopped there. They unloaded the donkey. And Abraham said this, To the two boys that were staying behind, he said this. You stay here. And me and my son, we are going to go up the mountain to worship. And we are going to come back. Did you catch? Did you catch the trust that he had? We are going, and we are coming back. Isaac takes the wood on his back. Abraham takes the knife and the fire, and they walk together towards the place Of sacrifice the place of worship in my office I had a picture on my wall of me and my son when he was baptized I had the privilege to baptize my son and I considered that if that was the only reason why I became a minister I was okay with it that picture We're both dressed in white, in robes, and we are walking towards the ocean. This image reminds me of that image and that day when I walked together with my son for the place of dedication. When I knew that my son absolutely belongs to God, they walked together. What's beautiful is that during this time, Isaac turns to his father and he's saying, Father, I know some things about worship. I know some things about sacrifice, and I carry the wood, and I see that you have the fire. He makes no reference to the knife. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? What's interesting here is that the son knew that there has to be an animal to be sacrificed, but why did he say the lamb? Because the practice of sacrificing the lamb was during Moses when they left Egypt. This is a prophetic scene. The lamb that will be provided by God. And this comes from the lips of Abraham. And he's saying, the Lord himself will take care of the lamb. And they walk together. The author writes, they walk together to the place. They get there. Abraham builds the altar. He puts the wood on top. And now comes the moment when he turns to his son and he needs to bind his son. He was not a baby because he was able to carry the wood. So what strikes me here is the fact that the son had this perfect obedience allowing himself to be bound. He Places his son on the altar at this moment, both the father and the son they knew what is going to happen. Now as he raises his knife, ready for the sacrifice, he's called out, "Abraham, Abraham, stop! Don't do it! I have seen your faith. I have seen your trust. Stop! Don't harm the boy." Turns and he sees a ram that was uh, was was entangled in the bush, and he sacrifices the ram, the, the ram. Now, when you bring the sacrifice, you know that God desires that you bring your best. And when people brought sacrifices, they invested. They had to purchase, they had to raise that animal. That animal has to be raised with so much uh, care, not to have any blemish, but to be perfect. And sacrificing an animal was uh, something that you invested in, but this time, and this is the only time when nothing was invested in the animal, this was offered by God for free, was the provision of God for the sacrifice. We saw the testing, the obedience, the trust, and now comes the reward, and God is saying, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will indeed bless you and will make your offspring as numerous as the star of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore now it's going to happen because you trusted me. I cannot go through the story without my attention being caught by the son's attitude, by his submission. He carried the wood, he allowed himself to be bound he, he knew that he's going to be sacrificed, and I cannot escape the thinking that this is about Jesus. On the same mountain, a thousand years after this event, God speaks to David and he's saying, On this mountain, you should build a temple, the place of worship. And a thousand years later, Jesus Christ comes on the scene. We see John when he catches the Son of Man coming. The next day, John saw Jesus coming towards him, and he declared, Here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Behold the Lamb of God. Perfect substitute. Jesus carried his cross on the mountain. His head was crowned with a crown of thorns. This lamb cost us nothing. It cost God everything. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, so that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. God gave his only son, his begotten son, in the same way that Abraham took his only son, his begotten son. But this time on the cross, there was no voice from heaven to stop. The sacrifice was carried on, and Jesus became the perfect sacrifice, and he died for my sin and for your sin. It cost God everything. It cost Jesus the humiliation on the cross. I love what Paul writes to the church in Philippi about Jesus. Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself. God, he emptied himself, taking the form of a slave born in human likeness. And being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient, obedient, the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name so that in that name of Jesus, every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of the Father. What is our cost? Our cost is our obedience. When God called us, he chose us to to be his, and he asked us to abandon our life of sin, to renounce and to confess, to return home, to surrender, to abandon ourselves, and to receive his grace. And by His grace, He's carrying us through each day. He calls us to a life of obedience. He calls us to a life of trusting Him. And I don't know in this place what kind of Moriah do you have in your life. Because in verse 14 in our text, it says this, on the mount of the, the Lord will provide, as it is says to this day, on the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. <coughs> God provides for us. Whatever Moriah you have in your life, like Abraham, you need to trust in him. And only in him because he will be the provider for you because he loved you so much that he gave his son to die for you. There is no other substitute. And the reward of our surrendering, the reward of our obedience and trust in him is the day when Jesus told his disciples, I will, I will come back for you. Because I love you so much, and I want that where I am, you shall be also with me. May God give us the strength, the obedience, and the trust of Abraham, trusting God for his provisions for us. Amen.